0: Log Talk Radio. I stroll through the pictures What I've left behind. You won't get. I'm locked locked up up in memories They all intertwine The memory is In my my, mind I know tomorrow Cause that zone will come You will never know
1: you Hi everybody, and welcome to Scan Radio: The Stop Child Abuse Now radio show number 2972. The Scan radio show is a service of NASCAR. N-A-A-S-C-A. And NASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. And I'm going to read the mission statement of NASCA. We have a single purpose at NASCA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma, including sexual assault, violent or physical abuse, emotional trauma, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, CSA, presenting facts that show child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. Two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. My name is Annie Margis and I'm your host tonight, and my co-host is Penelope. Hi, Penelope.
2: Hello, everybody. Hello, Annie. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, thank you for being here. And tonight's special guest will be Pastor Deborah Schleich, who, were, who grew up all over the world in a military family where her mother was mentally ill. She's now a survivor professional. Living in Pensacola, Florida, she's trained in ministry, mental health, working with substance abuse, and is a trauma-informed social worker, all in one. She volunteers with many community organizations. Pastor Deborah says she can minister by text, phone, Skype, in person, and however the Lord directs her 24-7. She teaches that humans have three parts, being of spirit, soul, and the physical body, and believes that all three are important and that each area needs care. On these episodes, we welcome various co-hosts, survivor professionals who field questions and lead a variety of topics suggested by our call-in participants. Their trauma-informed perspectives as survivor professionals help them guide discussions on the issues of child abuse, trauma, and healthy human sexuality that spring from questions and topics brought to us by our listeners. Everyone's invited to engage on tonight's show. You can become a panelist by calling in. The number is 646-595-2114. And now I would like to introduce our special ghost guest, Pastor Deborah. Please say hi, Pastor Deborah.
3: Hello, everybody glad to see I have everybody here. I hope I can answer your questions <laughs> for Thank you.
2: you. Thank you, you know, okay. Penelope. Penelope? Yes, I just want to oh, interject. Penelope really and I were... oh. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, Annie. It's Penelope. I just want to interject really quickly that um, the number to call in is area code 595. I'm sorry, excuse me. Area code 646-595-2118 again, that's area code 646-595-2118. And I will greet you on the back line and welcome you into the show. So I, I apologize for interrupting Pastor Deborah and Annie. I just wanted to make sure that everybody had the right number.
1: Sorry if I misspoke. You know, it's almost okay. exactly the same as my phone number. And thats I probably said my number instead of that number. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, no problem. So, Pastor, we, Bill and I were having a talk before the show about possible topics, and we came up with this one, dealing with good news and when people are nice to us.
3: Okay. Because that's, that's hard. Yes. I got some uh, good news,
1: news <laughs> and, and, and in my mind, I'm going, I don't deserve this. This is wrong. This is not going to happen. All these negative things are coming in on me.
3: Yes, ma'am. Um, you can address this in two ways. One, from the mental health perspective. What they would tell you, Miss Annie, is you've got stinking thinking. You've got some concepts and ideas, feelings about yourself, okay, that are leftovers from your childhood that got developed, formed, Uh, Reinforce during the sexual trauma Then throw in some bullying and everything And now that's sort of like Seeds got planted And there's a big tree there with roots And you were, you know And the the thoughts are, I don't deserve it Uh, I'm not good enough This isn't for me Because in your mind, you have an identity of who you are or who you believe you still are from your childhood. Now, did it happen through words from your perpetrator? Yes. Did it happen from just your own self concepts Yes. And so in therapy, a counselor is going to point that out to you. But that's not who you are anymore. And they would start saying, well, tell me some of the accomplishments That you have done. Did you finish high school? Yes, well, that's a good thing. And they might sit there and have you hug yourself, give yourself a party for finishing high school. Uh, Did you get a job? Yes, that's a good thing. And they would start helping you to appreciate good things and help you to learn how to accept that. Okay, that would be the goal of the therapist. They might have you keep a journal. And they would say, well, why do you feel that? And you would probably go, I don't know. I just feel I don't deserve that good news. Whether it's about me or it's about somebody else or about good things in the world, because that's not the world that I grew up in. That's not the world I live in, because I live in a different type of world. So a therapist is going to get deep into your thoughts, your ideas, your concepts, and they're trying to know that they got formed during the trauma when, um, believe it or not, if you ever watch something like the Manchurian Candidate movies, and they do the trauma, okay, whether it's through drugs, sex, beatings, or whatever, and then they make a statement to you. They implant ideas that are connected to the trauma. And as long as it's reinforced through bullying, you know, we'll say bullying or more trauma or whatever, and, you know, you can't talk about it, you get reinforced and you have these beliefs from early on, childhood, teenage years, okay? And the mental health counselors know this, so they would slowly work with you to learn how and to make some positive affirmations why it's okay for you to accept good things or news or, okay, and help you, you know, to celebrate those. That would be how they would slowly do it. And they might have a way where you would uh, give you sort of homework assignments. And when some good news came and you would make a response, you'd do a journal writing, and you would have to make a comment or you would have to say, no, no, That is good news, and I'm going to celebrate that. And you might go buy yourself a cupcake, or you might um, take a walk, or something to uh, tie in your thoughts to your biological body. Because your biological body, it's hormones, it's adrenaline, all the good stuff that goes off, the pleasures, okay? Uh, They want that kicking in, A lot of people do it through alcohol, through drugs, through sex. But you can do it if you take a walk. And, okay, spiritually it would be different. You might find some scriptures and you might repeat them. You might take a walk and sing a song that makes you feel good. You might put on some music. Music actually changes the biological brain, which changes your neurochemicals. And, uh, you know, so there's a lot of different ways of changing it. And it can be, a lot of that temporarily changes it through the physical connected with the ideas. But what you slowly have to learn is I am not, somebody has to help you say, I am worthy. I'm not that child that was abused anymore. I'm not being abused. I deserve to have good news or good things. You may not believe it, okay, and it may take time, okay, that kind of thing. And I'm going to give you another movie to watch to see how it works, The Three Faces of Eve. But she had some trauma, wasn't sexual. And she, one part she formed a personality, which is usually the one that doesn't want to accept good And it couldn't take care of her daughter. I think they had a wild party, and that one couldn't take care of her daughter either. And it took the love of a man that knew that she had had some issues and was seeing a psychiatrist say, it doesn't matter what your problems are, I love you, and I'm not leaving you. Love was the healing agent. Therapists don't give you that love. You cannot call a therapist 24 hours a day. They're not going to hug you because of all kinds of ethical issues. You see them in a, their place. So there's, um, all kinds of things. Then if you watch that movie again, The Manchurian and it was Frank Sinatra. How they broke the, we'll call it hypnotizing, the, the brain thoughts, was there was, he had to use a queen of diamonds and then give an order. Sometimes, you have to do the same thing to yourself. You've got this, we'll call it,
0: like a,
3: a, a, something that goes around and around, a merry-go-round. And uh, you have to stop it, and you have to bring in something new, and you have to command yourself. I'm not going to think that anymore. That's horrible. According to my therapist, according to my husband, according to the... Bible, according to Christ Jesus according to whoever they say I am worth it and I believe him. and every time that thought comes up I'm going to challenge it I'm going to speak to it I'm going to speak to that part of me that feels that way and I'm going to keep shrinking it and not and denying its power to exist now In mental health, some people might say it might be a multiple personality person that's developed, and it has to slowly go away. And so there's a lot of things that go on to try to change those thoughts, those ideas, those concepts that got deep roots. We used to do things uh, in deliverance work, I did a lot of that, where we would dig up the roots of a tree we would cut the tree down you know we're slinging our hands in a session because we were trying to show this person we can dig this up out of you and we can plant new seeds and then we would speak lessons over them to replace that and we didn't ask them a lot of questions we just had to know that this Bad stuff was there. And we had to counteract it with the opposite good things. And sometimes what we would do is also get them to say, I choose to bless myself. I choose to accept happiness. I choose. And I've done that with uh, even suicide patients. I make them go, yes, I want to live. And I take it from there and through prayer that's the spiritual part some people need to say i don't want to think that way anymore i don't want to give it. it's had enough of my life and you kind of draw the line in the sand about it then the battles begin inside of you internal fights internal dialogues uh, to beat back sort of weaken those ideas and you have to have those ideas replaced, we'll say with positive ones, with the commission by maybe an authority figure to accept good news. And I'll stop there and let you guys ask any questions. Thank
1: you. That was so informative. I took three pages of notes and <laughs> I feel like I feel like, yeah, I can really do this because I really have been suffering with this. So I'm not worthy stuff. And now I have some real directions about what I can do to stop that, okay. stop the merry-go-round. Uh-huh. I love it. Okay. I started to make well, a ahead, list
3: you- of things. Okay. How, go ahead. Um, and like I said, you can take the mental health approach. And there's probably many different ways. Basically, you're reprogramming. Your thoughts You're you're weakening Some that have been planted there From people or things Through experience Okay And they're deep And they got deep roots And um, also in mental health If you are trained In multiple personalities You probably have a personality there that that is what they're to do A great movie to watch To help you with that is Sybil Okay, And in mental health, we know part of you is still that child. We call it the inner child. And they're still holding on to all those feelings. Well, where's that child? You you don't want to kill that child. But, you know, and they don't want good things to come in. So you have battles, internal battles going on. Now, spirituality-wise, Christian-wise, you'll find this happening with David, King David of Israel. Uh, When his family was coming after him to kill him, you know, bad things, his soul would get so downcast and depressed. And they're coming. The lions come up. His spirit would have to talk to his soul and say, soul, why are you so downcast today? Let's go together, soul. This is in himself. To the presence of the Lord and dance and sing and say the good things that he says about us. I'm going to help you get out of your slump your depression because the family's coming after us it ain't nice so spirituality recognizes there's those two parts and your spirit has to help the soul I do that all the time life happens and I say soul we ain't going to sit in this darkness we ain't going to sit here and think that we ain't going to believe it we're going to the presence of God we're going to go and be in his joy. We're going to remember scriptures, blah, blah, blah. Now, that's a different mental health counseling does the same thing. They get you to think on other things, okay? Now, I've had mm-hmm. in sexual abuse, typically what happens is when the abuse is occurring, your spirit leaves your body. You have an out-of-body experience, but you you are capable, your soul and spirit are capable, just like you'll see in The Three Faces of Eve, creating a part, a program, a person to take the abuse. And they're there. And they pop up and pop down and pop up. And a well-trained therapist, not all of them know about mental uh, personalities and stuff. It's called, I think, dissociative identity. You disassociate. And uh, so you'll have another part of you that that really, that's a person. It's usually a child. Believes what it believes, and when that good news comes, it does not believe it because it's not supposed to have it. And what happens is the fear from that child, or that it's so tremendous, uh, any good news, okay, that it frightens them, and they have to beat it back. And they have to uh, sort of come to the surface and uh, sort of remind everybody uh, I'm in charge and this is how we are and this is what we're going to think. It's all internal work that somebody has to, you have to be willing to do it and you have to be with people who are knowledgeable. Most of your average mental health counselors they understand you've got some, what they'd say, stinking thinking. Your thinking's not right. You deserve to have good news. Okay. And they would help you through many different uh, exercises, journaling, therapy sessions, maybe hypnosis or biofeedback or something. And they would try to help you to realign your thoughts And realign, evaluate, yes, they might call it affirmative something, and you would speak words of affirmation to yourself. And you would speak, you know, maybe you'd have a list of things that when those thoughts come, you pull it out and you say, I ain't going to listen to that. This is what we're going to listen to. And you say, I am worthy of good news. I enjoy good news. Okay, you'd have certain things that you would say out loud and into yourself, and you would b- sort of beat back a challenge within yourself, the other thoughts. Okay, I'd be quiet. You guys can.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And let me see if any of our, our uh, panelists would like to ask you a question or respond to some of the ideas you've, you've, you've stated. Mm-hmm.
2: Penelope, would you like to participate? I would. And I did have a question for you, um, Pastor Deborah. So I'm also wondering, though, that in, for example, you know, we're talking about being at the receiving end of someone else's kindness, you know, receiving an act of kindness from someone else when Mm -hmm. you're in uh, having a rough time. For example, my husband is ill, so I've had friends bringing over meals. And Mm -hmm. it's so humbling. It's also, and it is, I am a little uncomfortable with it, and I've heard everything you've said, but for me, you know, my own father had, you know, multiple surgeries on hip replacements and knee replacements, and I think he had seven or eight surgeries um, during my lifetime. And so... um, I don't remember if anybody, I don't remember anybody bringing over a meal. Um, And I never remember either my parents bringing anybody else that had been infirmed or ill a meal. So I like to bring, you know, and I started doing this during my healing process. If I had a friend having surgery, you know, I'd bring a lasagna to her house because that's something that I never um, experienced in my own childhood Um, and I know from my parents doing, and I almost wanted to rewrite that story. And so I'm wondering too, if there's just a part of it that is there, is there, you know, maybe, you know, if you look at, you know, there, is there a part of me, whether it's a personality or a part of me that wants to, you know, raise this little girl within me in a different way and Mm -hmm. wants to be the one Mm -hmm. to give the nurse. That's my question.
3: Yes. Um, uh, typically, when somebody's been abused or traumatized in childhood, our brains, our souls, and our spirits are very capable. We're going to get through it. Somebody that's tough. That whatever we need to do, that's what happens. It happens automatically. It's a defense mechanism by God, the Creator, to help you. Now, what happens is when you become an adult. Those things are still there. And uh, what happens if you watch the movie, The Three Faces of Eve, and uh, she actually has what you would call the two, I think it's Eve White and Eve Black, they disappear. When love started coming in and Jane got created, they knew they were dying. And what happened is they weren't needed anymore. And uh, they, it's, it's such a powerful movie, true story too. And um, because Jane Black was the wild one, and uh, Jane White was the docile, depressed one, and neither one of them uh, could remember their childhood much, who their teachers were, and uh, you know she just kind of put her head down. And I've had, I've been, I this is when I started in the spiritual world helping people. I got thrown in with hardcore stuff like this. You had to learn how to just watch an eye blink and the personality would change. It would be that fast. And, uh, you know, but they're the same body. But how in spirituality how you did healing uh, is different than how mental health does it. Mental health calls it integration where we're going to get you to become aware of all those little children in there and those different parts of you, and we're going to figure out, we're going to do some mapping, they call it. We're going to figure out who's holding the anger. Uh, how many are, what ages are they? Who's the one that uh, drives the car? Who's the one that does that? And so between the psychologists, usually not a regular mid-oil counselor, with the masters they are not trained. Uh, we learn all the different children that are in there. And they're in groups of families, and there's boys, and there's girls, And then what they usually do is deprogramming and they usually do it through hypnosis where they go uh, deep into your subconscious and uh, they sort of wipe out some of the kids. They integrate them if you – and they all then have all the – they're still there, but you're not split up anymore. Everybody has the memories. They have all the stuff. Everybody is, is just one. They're they're all back together again, and they call that healing. In spirituality, God's way is He actually takes the children away to be with Him, and He heals them because He's the healer. So it's a little different, you know. And I've, I've I've seen it happen both ways. And uh, the mental health community talks about you know this might take six or seven years to. Everybody to figure out who's hold, who's holding the anger and how many are in there. And, you know, you might have some that just suck their thumb and some that do this and some that do that and stuff. And so we want everybody together and we want everybody to have all the memories of everything. And uh, if you notice, if you watch the movie Sybil with Sally Field she would change a lot and some would have memories and some would be... That ain't me, <laughs> Vanessa. She wasn't. I, I never had that happen to me. That's not me. Yeah. Nope. Then you have ones that will go to the therapist and try to help the the system, but the system is there to protect itself. And this one girl who was living with me, uh, she, they said at church she had multiple personalities. So uh, she went and got it from a psych, tested by a psychologist and. He just said she had post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay, because, and I asked her. I said, "Well, didn't you tell them about all your different personalities?" She goes, "Oh no. We have to protect that. That's how we live and survive." Okay, and so one of them just goes to the doctor and answers all the questions right, and nothing changes. I, I, I got thrown into that. And then God said, I, I, I'll show you how it works. It won't take six or seven years. So they took prayer. And then praying that they would go off with Jesus, and they went off. A certain part of uh, this young girl's system, uh, after the three children left in one night, just through prayer, she got up the next morning and said she felt like for the first time that she was free and she could run down because something had kept her from feeling she could escape or run, and it was these three children. Because she had one uh, personality named Carrie, which I have it up on the website and YouTube. That was a little girl and couldn't talk, couldn't walk, couldn't speak, and the children weren't that was they weren't going to leave their sister. So I had to get Carrie healed and put through prayer, and then they all just went off with Jesus to be children and play. What happened to him? That's not my business. That's Jesus' business. And uh, so I don't know. And uh, so the next day, just one little part of her felt free, that she could run and escape from the, with the Satanism she was in. Just one little part. That was it. She had a lot more that needed help. But that's, you know, there's a big difference in... Um, when I was getting, before I got into it, psychiatrists, they know about this. And they would do hypnosis with patients and have uh, all the people, the parts that are there, that you may not even know are there, have everybody have the memories. And this one psychiatrist I love, he's dead now, he said, I'm not going to do that to them. That's re-raping them. To remember all of that stuff that happened in detail, but that's what a lot of mental health therapists they want you to remember in detail and tell them exactly what happened and what it smelled like and what it looked like, and who was it? And you know, and they believe that that is how you get healed or integrated is to have all those memories talked about openly and, and every detail of it explored. Okay, that's they're different philosophies. so I'll be quiet again.
1: <laughs> thank you, Pastor Deborah. Mm. Let's invite John in. John, would you like to ask a question or make some comments?
4: Um, yes, you know, I, I just want to thank everybody that's on the panel tonight. I think you all are doing such an excellent job. The show is absolutely beautiful. Um, you know, I just can't say enough for everyone that that's here tonight, because let me tell you something about Pastor Deborah. Is that if you go and just explore some of you know her her messages, uh, basically on YouTube, okay, you are not going to believe the things that she does in her life that will change your life if you just listen, okay because she has a way with words that books do not touch, okay, when it comes down to this. with dealing with people and being a professional on that level, which is, to me, the highest standard there is, okay, because you do not get this, you know, uh, kind of people in this world. So, you know, Pastor Deb, I just can't thank you enough for for what you do. Um, You know, I think people need to really, really realize the things that you do in life, and, and I'm, I'm so happy to know you as a friend. And I uh, always, I mean, always recommend, uh, you know, people to you, okay? So, uh, and, you know, I do want to tell you a quick story also. Uh, it's short. It's a little sad, but it's also happy. And, and actually why I'm saying this is because before I tell you who he is, I want to tell you what he did, okay? Uh, as a very young man, uh, and before I tell you what he is, he had a girlfriend. Okay. Uh, they actually had a baby. Okay. Then there was an accident and the baby passed away very young. Um, I'm talking like three months. Okay. And he was a, a, a survivor. Okay. Now, let me tell you something. You're talking about somebody that is a total emotional wreck that they are at the end of their rope period. Okay. Now, this happened a while back. I'm talking years ago, probably before COVID. Okay. And the reason why I'm telling you the story is because it's right there by you. It's in Milton. You're familiar with Milton, aren't you? Who, me? Yeah, Pastor Deborah. You know, Milton, Florida. uh Uh-huh, yeah.
0: Okay.
4: Okay. Well, this is where this was happening, okay? Well, he's a very young man. Let me tell you something. Uh, He basically, after this, they broke up, okay? You know, of course, the baby passed away. Then COVID hit. That was the time. So he was doing things that were just unbelievable without being opening up, you know, doing some positive things, and and he just wasn't talking to anybody, and he was at the end. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you that when you mentioned earlier about music, okay, uh, this is exactly what happened, is that he turns out, and I'm not going to mention his name, turns out to be a very promising Country music star, okay? He's that high level of a player with guitar and singing. Uh, so when he reached out to me, okay, that was the common ground that basically we had together that allowed me, okay, to get him to open up, you know? And that's what it took. It, it took common ground and it took experience in dealing with this kind of trauma when somebody has been really emotionally shocked. Okay. And they don't know where to go anymore, where to turn. It's, you know, and they are so young is that you need somebody with experience to know how to deal with any situation. Okay. Well, the moral of the story here is, is that, you know, when you find time on the ground with someone and, and like music a perfect example would happen, things can change. Okay. And what happened is now he, he's, 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 you know, they're expecting, uh, he has another situation, but now uh, six or seven months along. And he's got so much work, he's, he's, he's overwhelmed. You know, he's happy. Okay. So, you know, with, with you talking about experience, you hit the, the nail on the head of, you know, having to deal with different people around the world. Okay is that that's what you do so good, Pastor, is that you do know, know how to, you know, get into somebody's soul in their mind, you know, and help them out through the worst times ever. And you change lives every single day. So that's all I have to say. But uh, I want to thank you for what you do. Well,
3: I thank appreciate you John. that. I think what You're happens welcome. for most of us, even in our early childhood, for me it was always wanted, always loved some of the strangest people, people in wheelchairs who were deformed or living with quarks. And I grew up in the military, so we were around people from all over nations, different colors of their skin, and she just loved them. So I wanted to help people, and boy, did my family need help, but I couldn't help them, and most of us can't. So I went the way of the world psychology. And uh, I tried it. I, I, you know, I got a master's and license, but and I learned a lot. And, and I went into nursing homes and uh, homeless shelters and rehabilitation hospitals and and uh, private practice. And um, I tried, but boy, I was getting my hands slapped if I even tried to pray with somebody for. And so God took me out of that and said, you're going to learn how to help people my way. I didn't know how to do it. So one night I was in church and I was in a praise and worship time. And I hear the Holy Spirit say, what's the desires of your heart? And then a second I said, to be a spiritual mother all those in homosexuality, lesbian, goth movement, LGBT, abused, so I can turn their hearts to the Father. And he said, it's done. I became the spiritual mother. I adopt everybody. Because most people need the help of God. But he's a mean, mean dude. Even in Catholicism, you don't pray to Jesus. You pray to saints. And you pray to Mother Mary because they believe Jesus is very mad and the Father. So you got to go through Mother Mary. And she goes and talks. Most of these people do not have good because most of the abusers are men. So it tarnishes the Father's relationship. I want nothing to do with him. Okay? But a mama comes in and what does the mama do from birth? I hold you in my arms, I look in your eyes, and I give you a bottle, and I just cool with you and love on you and tell you how beautiful and sweet and love. And that is the seeds of change, love. And uh, what happens is you as a helping person, okay, John is saying, you know, uh, connect with music. That won't get to the spirit. It won't hold the soul in death. It'll make a connection. But what that person is, as you know, you've got children inside of you. you got hurt, wounded. You have memories from the past. Those children need a loving mama. That's all. I've had adults sit in my lap. And I and, I'm there, and I and I and yeah, I adopt everything. I adopt every single one of them. I say, even if they're 80 years old, do you want to be my spiritual child? God says in His Word, they're all orphans to Him. Okay, you're going into a family. But a lot of them ain't going because <laughs> the the male species has really tarnished that with children, and their mother wasn't there. And so they need so so somehow I just knew that was what I was supposed to be. I got anointed and got blessed to be that. So I don't have any, you know, I don't have to have any connections with anything. Don't matter. I can talk to the oldest, the worst. Doesn't matter. I'm your mama. Yeah, but I'm eighty years old. Doesn't matter. I'm your mama. And then there's a great book uh, by P.D. Eastman. Read it. Excellent. I took it to a homeless group called Are You My Mother? It's about this little bird that fell out of his nest. And he ends up walking on the ground looking for his mama. Because if you know in nature, mama is the nurturer. Mama provides the, the milk. The, you know, and A lot of times the, the male species goes off and gets food. But it don't come out of a male. It comes out of a mama. And in this book, it's excellent. God had me read children's books. And this little bird's walking around. He don't know. He couldn't remember what his mama looked like. We so asked a steam shovel and a dog and a cat, and, and we can't find mama. But he knows he has a mama. But he don't know what she looks like. So we're all searching and looking for mama. And and eventually, you know, he got so sad. He's crying out, Mama, Mama, Mama. Where are you, Mama, Mama? No mama. But he kept looking. And so God had to show me, everybody's looking for mama. They're looking for that mama. Okay, And, the, and you'll read, when you read the Bible, you'll hear that the anchor of the soul is love. The mama anchors. The mama, they know that but the baby knows the mama's heartbeat. So the worst abuse you'll ever have is abortion. Mama's killing her own child. She's not a life-giving spirit. So what happened was that P.D. Eastman wrote, Excellent, Are You My Mother? It'll make you cry. And then this uh, little bird found a bee, like, steam shovel, and it picked it up and put it back in its nest. And there was Mama. And God said, Yes, it's got be love. Love is your Mama. And I'm never going to let you go away. And God had to show me through books and movies and cartoons What we were looking for Even the abused people And the the little ones They're looking for love Somebody love me. Oh yeah you can be in the homeless shelter And you know they'll Give you free lunch And they'll do that But they're looking for that anchor That mama And for the man A lot of them The father figure You know if you understand how it works uh, Typically the father's around But his voice is different. His eyes are different. And um, so most of people have been abused by men, not by mamas, but there are a few. And so what a child senses is the father is the abuser, the man. And he has a part that's very abusive. And the mother doesn't save him. And they get through it. All of you guys got through it because you had a gift. You didn't even know it. You left your bodies. You had out-of-body experiences. You formed parts to deal with the trauma and then parts, if you watch, like Sybil, that just deals with everyday life. Okay? And that's just the way. And I had to learn all of that. It's not taught. The master's level doesn't get that. Not even all your Ph.D. psychologists, okay, train for that. And not all your psychiatrists do that. And uh, so you have to really ask yourself, as an advocate for child abuse, are you called to do it? Do you really understand it? Do you understand parenting and child and why it's going on? Why doesn't it stop with all your work? What's happening? Why do people do this to little children? Do you have that understanding? Can you talk to, uh, can you love the perpetrator? That did it i probably had it happen to him, okay, how they can't even figure out what's causing crime, okay,, so I had to learn, and God used the mental health world, but you know I, I haven't lost that, and a lot of people you know it does work, there's a lot of good stuff then some people use aromatherapy, well, all that does that's biological for the the physical body which has nerves and you can get that through pleasure, bingo, you know, get that cortisone going and dopamine, hey, I'm feeling good. And then you become an addict of that so but the soul if you study Freud I spent my time here. I had if you study Freud, he was a Jewish person who didn't really believe in God. He was we would call him a probably an Orthodox Jew. He knew there was a conscious part of us but there was something there called the unconscious. Then he knew there was one more called the non-conscious. And he was trying to figure out why these women were having so many issues. And he knew it was connected to sex and abandonment and stuff like that. But you have to go study these people to understand why people have thoughts. you got to watch, read the books, watch the movies. Like You go watch The Three Faces Meet, with, um, uh, and you go look uh, the lady up, Uh, who had it she's got some things on YouTube and they actually show her changing personalities and you say she wasn't even sexually abused it was just traumatized to kiss her dead grandmother then you go watch Sybil and you watch a, a wonderful sort of Christian lady do what she did to her child and everybody knew about it and nobody did anything and there's some true stories out there about it and if you watch The Mentoring Candidate with Frank Sinatra You'll see through trauma and torture and abuse. You can get mind-programmed slaves. Then, if you understand, some of you may have been a part of CIA my ultra mind-control programs, and you don't even know it because they did that with prisoners. They did LSD. There was a wonderful movie um, called "Why Men Stare at Goats," trying to stare at goats to kill them. CIA was trying to develop uh, different kinds of um, soldiers. Then you have to go study called psychic rumors. During the Vietnam War, they would have men go into a room, and they'd leave their bodies, and they'd go traveling spiritually over to Vietnam and come back, and CIA was doing a lot of stuff. There was a lot of uh, science going on with drugs and LSD and child abuse, and you've got to study Hitler, and you, gotta, you have to study, study, study. So you can understand um, what is child abuse. Okay, what's going on biologically? Uh, What's going on in the development of the child's brain? Well, what are emotions? What attachments have been dislodged? And what is the normal child development supposed to happen? Okay, and then you have to understand hopelessness and suicide and um, all of that. Then you can really get a picture of it, but you'll find out most of them. Community, You know, we got a suicide prevention thing down here, and they want research with numbers and stuff like that, and they're doing, you know, good work. I just don't fit with them, but, you know. So uh, having, what was that other part, Annie, that you had a, I think a two-part question, something about, the, you know, the thoughts that you wanted to ask? Yes. Yes, I do. Let me turn back
1: to that page. Um, the first part was... <laughs> the good news. Uh, dealing What's with good, good news? news. Yeah, what if you get good news? And the second, what do you do when people are nice to you? Okay. How do you
3: react well, to the, that? Well, you're going to react um, probably uh, based on your conditioning. And if you understand if you study Freud, you'll understand psychological conditioning and you have to understand where those concepts why do you feel that way like? okay or, or, and you mm-hmm. study the trauma of abuse and people have studied it and like a lot of times you know when they, they have our body is able to uh, make connections let's say the perpetrator wore a cologne or a perfume that gets connected in your brain in the memory you smell that perfume and stuff the memory comes back because they're interconnected uh, biologically. i just watched some lady on youtube she's a i don't know she was just talking about how the memories get uh trapped in your body through the vargas nerve which goes from the brain all the way down most of the body and it's and it stays in there and you have to understand nervous systems and neurons and biochemical stuff and how all of that interconnects and then you have to study well i just had a thought but why do i feel so bad you have to understand the power of thoughts to actually change your brain chemistry okay and the power of concepts and ideas And like if I looked at an outlet in the wall and I see smoke coming, within a nanosecond, my brain makes a decision. I either got to get up and run away to be safe. So I've got to have sugar, adrenaline, the hormones, everything kicks in, my muscles work, I stop digesting too. Or I got to have the same things to go fight, the fight or flight syndrome. Okay. And you have to understand the connection to a thought. My eyes saw something. My ears heard a loud noise. Body responds. So you have to understand the mind, the soul, the feelings, thoughts, the the human body, how it responds. Uh, you know times and how uh, the environment. We'll say like. A lot of times, the holidays are hard for abused children and stuff, and even the thought of family, and um, you know that kind of thing. And then you got to understand trauma bonding. You actually become bonded to. In spirituality, we call it soul ties. Your soul is bonded to your perpetrator until you cut the ties. You have a connection. And there's a spiritual one as well called trauma bonding. And uh, to that person, like, they just walk in a room and you freak out. And, um, or somebody that looks like them or smells like them or maybe the hat they wore, you're trauma bonded. And you have to break those off of you. And we used to use our little fingers like scissors and break them off. So how do you, you know? So there's a lot in getting healed that must occur and uh, love is always going to be a part of it and um that kind of thing and uh love is the power source and the law and stuff of christianity and um but if you leave that out you know you can have a great therapist that really generally cares about you That but they're never going to have a be there for you you know 24 7 because They got lies. A lot of them have been abused, but they ain't going to tell you. And they're under ethics, and, you know, they have to maintain their distance and be cool, you know, like a doctor, not get emotionally involved. And sometimes, you know, if you go to the church, a lot of pastors, they've been abused, and they do abusing also. And we know that from the Catholic Church and all kinds of stuff. I think recently the Southern Baptists, they're getting it, you know. And then so how do you, what's going on? Well you have to study the lust of the flesh The lust of the eyes Why is sex so powerful What does it have to do with uh, What do they look at when they see a little child Do they see the child Why would they do that Because their need is greater, greater. You've heard of some people huh? They don't care if it's a sheep A goat, cow, they don't care That lust of that flesh Is just so powerful it's like an addict. And, of course, there's spiritual things going on with it. So to be a, a, somebody that's going to help somebody heal, it's one thing. I don't try to do a lot of advocacy because most of my time has to be spent bringing healing. Because to be an advocate, you've got to be very knowledgeable, good public speaker. Nowadays, you've got to have social media. You've got to have live events. You've got to be talking and be educated. Because you think a master's degree, Ph.D. is going to listen to you, who's going to do all the therapy, or a lawyer is going to listen to you. I just told, I think our state attorney, somebody does something in the faith community in the state of Florida. And they said they were just thankful for all the churches in the faith community for helping out with juvenile justice. I said, honey, they all need to be guardian at lambs; They need to understand child abuse. They need to go through a lot of training. And blah blah blah. Because most of your pastors don't have it, and a lot of your therapists, they don't have it. So it's a intricate. It's a lot of knowledge you have to have to help people. But I don't try to advocate. You know, um, the healing part is where I would say, uh, and I, most of the work needs to be done. I don't think you're ever going to stop child abuse. Not going to stop human trafficking. It ain't going to stop. It's got some religions that believe in, what, marrying girls as soon as they get puberty. And it just ain't going to stop that. But you can bring healing. And you can be on the front lines of suicide. And you can be on the front lines of helping people recover, you know, uh, when they come through it and stuff. and so. But it takes a lot of work. Okay, I'll be quiet again.
1: Thank you, Pastor Deborah. You just have so much wisdom. It's it's wonderful to have you on this show. I I know that the audience is taking notes just like me. And speaking of the audience, if you'd like to call in and be part of our panel, the call-in number is 646-595-2118. Give us a call and, um, ask questions and make comments. And now I'll turn to Penelope to see if she wants to share again. Penelope.
2: Um, thank you, Annie and, uh, Deborah. I, um, echo both John's and Annie's, um, sentiments about you and just, just your plethora of knowledge, you know, body, mind, and spirit. It's just, I learn so much every time, um, we have you on the show and, um, I find myself thankful that we archive these shows because they're so information dense that I like to listen to them over and over. I always pick up something else that I missed, um, even as I'm listening. So um, I just wanted to make that comment. But the second thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, we were talking about dissociative identity disorder. Um, and a lot of mm-hmm. us talk about in our experiences, you know, some level of dissociation. And it's my understanding that there's a spectrum. But would you just, mm-hmm. I mean, if if you have dissociated in any way how do you i mean how do you determine and i know this is usually done by a you know qualified mental health professional you know how do you i've heard well i've heard some people say it took them so long to actually get diagnosed with true mm-hmm. you know DID how mm-hmm. do you know if you've been misdiagnosed how do you know if you should even pursue mm-hmm. looking into um if you, you know, have multiple personality disorder or multiple okay. identity disorder. All right.
3: We all have multiple personality disorder to an extent. We're first, okay, some of us are mothers. That takes a personality. We're wives. That's another personality, different relationship. You're working in the community, mother relationship. It's all relational, okay? So we're mm-hmm. all able to sort of be different be different people, in different uh, settings, okay? So we're able to disassociate. When I'm at work, I'm not going to be a mama, okay? My coworkers. I'm going to be a coworker, Mm -hmm. okay? So our brain is capable of sort of, the Bible says in Proverbs, as you think in your mind, your heart, so you are. All right? Now, in diagnosing it used to be multiple personalities, but they changed it. It's on the scale of post traumatic stress syndrome. You start at zero and you go to ten. And all along there there's different things that whether you are they're gonna diagnose you with post traumatic stress. And it okay, and usually it's a PhD psychologist, not a master's level person. They ain't they're not trained in it. The We'll say on the scale of 10 on that is where your DID is. There's certain things. Typically, the DSM says you have to have distinct personalities. I don't know, three or four. I haven't looked at it in years. Uh, for over six months, and they don't know each other or something like that. And there's tests they give. They give you depression tests. There's a multi, the Minnesota multiphasic personality disorder, Some and they ask a lot of questions, and they're looking for certain answers for questions. And then they computerize it, and then there's the Beck Depression Scale, and there's anxiety. So it's probably a thorough testing, okay? And um, so, like this girl that was living with me, a primary care physician, and the church said, "Oh, you have multiple," because she was getting some ministry, and some personality showed up. So she went to her primary care doctor and said, oh, yeah, ask her a few questions. And uh, But then something happened, and the church found out, and they go, she has not been. Uh, no, they brought in a psychologist, and uh, that was his specialty, disassociative identity and stuff. And he tested her. Yep, you got him. Okay. So then the church had to tell these ministry workers you cannot minister to her you cannot talk to her you are not qualified to deal with it okay because this is now a medical mental health issue it's nothing spiritual and uh, so what happens is and there's a protocol in the usually a phd they don't usually do the work but they can they usually do a lot of mapping and have you journaling they're trying to uh, figure out how many are there and how many have, for ages and who's holding the anger and who went through this and they're trying to get an idea of all what's there. Problem is you got some kids that don't talk. Some that just suck their things. So this lady was living with me, she had one that drove the work, one that worked. One that came home and hanged her cow and suck her thumb. She had another one that pop up and she'd go out and want to do drugs and sex and I had another one that played the piano. She had another one that was a lesbian and another one that, it's it's a multitude. Okay? And uh, in some religions and systems, you're actually programmed to have them. And they have names. And I had to learn all that. I had to study. And um, so mental health work, it is seen as a disease, as a uh, defense mechanism from some kind of trauma or abuse. It's not anything bad. They don't look at it as bad or evil or anything. It's your defense mechanism when you were, you know, had bad things happening. We'll look at oh, the yeah. military soldiers. Oh. When they go to war, they disassociate. They're no longer civilians. They go kill people. And then they have to compartmentalize. Have you heard that?
0: Okay. And they put yeah. that
3: in a different compartment and shut the door. And you hear that a lot about politicians. Um, I think Bill Clinton even said it. You know, he was under a lot of stress whenever he was president, and he needed relief, and he had some issues, and, you know, he got impeached for him. And he said, I had to compartmentalize. I got a family over here, but that's not a part. So they call it compartmentalizing. You put that in that compartment, close it up. And that's all done in your soul. So there's different words. So what happens in the mental health world, they go, okay, well, you don't need all those children anymore. You don't need those disassociative parts, okay, because you're not being abused anymore. So let's integrate them. And you go, well, I don't have any memory of really what happened, you know, when I was three, four, five, six. Oh. Well, if we integrate, usually it's done through hypnosis, reprogramming, and they hypnotize you. And they call up that part, and they learn that name and say, well, we want you to join, um, you know, and kind of become one again with the other part. And if you look at um, symbol, the uh, her psychiatrist did that a lot. Now, the one in Three Faces of Eve, they didn't do that. Jane White and Jane Black, they did. No, Eve White and Eve Black, they just sort of died, disappeared, and were gone. And Jane had come up, who she was probably supposed to be, because of the love of that man that was loved her no matter what, Jane was strong enough now, and the other two weren't needed anymore. So sometimes mm-hmm. it's what you need, and the others get weaker, and uh, love is powerful, and um, uh, that kind of thing. And I've read a true story about a psychiatrist helping a lady. She had been horrible sexual abuse, the only one in her family. She had all these parts. And as she started seeing him and her money ran out, he said, that's okay, sweetie. You're a human being and you need help. You keep calling and calling. Because I love you as a human being, one to another. And her part started, she'd go home knowing that he loved her, wasn't going to charge her any money. She didn't have any more money. And her story, I used to have to read some of the horrible stuff. You understand? I had to read true mm-hmm. stories of, of, in great detail, and um, I had to see into that world, and she, her twins, her parts, they started dying while she was asleep, and she knew, she didn't know what it was, but then she go back to the office, didn't happen in the office, happened at home, and I asked God, I said, what is going on? You're healing her? I said, yes. Why? They didn't pray? They didn't do any scriptures. They didn't cast out any demons. He says no, but there was an atmosphere of a happy love, my kind of love, between that psychiatrist and that woman, and I work in that atmosphere. And that she wanted to be healed. He wanted her, to, and he loved her, and he was going to keep seeing her. Did I work? And I worked behind the scenes, and I learned a lot. The power of love is powerful. But you don't get that in mental health counseling. You know, it's a business. You're just a client. And as long as you got insurance or money, you know, and you only got 50 minutes, and then if you need them, you know, they're not there. If you need something, go to the emergency room and, you know, so. It's different, but the mental health world can help, you know, to a certain level, and, uh, and so. Uh, did that help answer your question? I got off somehow.
2: No, it did. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yes, it did.
3: Okay. And so if you don't know, okay, just ask yourself. You're an individual and you have a lot of roles in life to play. So you disassociate. You might have a grandma. You might be a sister. You have a husband. Okay? housewife. Volunteer in the community. That's all disassociation from you compartmentalize, well, one, I'm here. I'm a community volunteer. When you're here on NASCA, okay, you're in a personality, okay, and you're doing that. Okay, that's disassociation. That's um, it's, you are doing what needs to be done, okay. Uh, so we're all capable of it. Being many, I, like, oh, I always have the say, we are all many, but we're one. But we're one, spirit, soul, and body, There's many. God, what is this stuff about all this multiple personalities? What is going on? How they get it? It's just, hey, I am a multiple person. If I need to be a father, I'm a father. I need to be a mother, I'm a mother. I need to be the judge of the universe, I'm the judge of the universe. If I need to be a righteous king, I'm a king. I have many personalities. I am one, but I'm many. And because I am that, I gave that gift to humanity. I don't know they got it, you know. But even in our sort of not knowing him state, our brains... And our spirits are capable of doing it. And um, if you watch a lot of things, you'll even see that the other side, they take on different forms. That's all we're doing. We're becoming different forms of ourselves. And some of us, we create boys, girls. Some of us are animals. Uh, Some of us, you know, we have dreams that we're birds or dinosaurs. We are capable, our imagination. So you have to really study your imagination, and you know, there's plenty of books out there to study it. And it's just the, um, like I said, mental health beliefs it's a defense mechanism to get through a, a horrible situation. It is, it's a gift, free gift. Why do you leave your? Why do people have near death experiences? Or they leave their bodies when they're in the hospital? Okay, okay. go watch the movie Doctor Marvel. Okay, Doctor Strange. Okay, great. That's, that's a lot of other religions believe in this stuff. Okay, and other worlds, and you know, I know. So I have to, have had to read and read and study, and, and then go back and read about mythology, and go back and read about our ancient ancestors, and the Egyptians, and the Greeks, and how spirituality was a big part of our lives, and. What happened was uh, science came in and the age of reasoning came in and spirituality sort of went out the out the way because that's superstition now. We're doctors and we, if we can't see it under a microscope, then it's not real. And so that kind of started changing things. They were still trying to fix us and they do lobotomies on us and then they would do trepanning where they'd cut a hole at the top of our brain to try to release some bad fumes, and they'd bleed us to get rid of bad blood. And they tried all kinds of things to deal with our emotional and mental health issues, and we've all seen them. It's great if you do studying and read books about the history of treating mental illness and things like that. And um, you learn a lot how it's evolved from spirituality uh, through the mental health, the psychiatric sort of medical disorders. And now there's a lot out there about spirituality and, you know, metaphysicals and all kinds of things. So I'd be quiet again. Thank you.
1: Thank you for everything. And we have another 19 minutes in the show. Hey, John.
4: Hello. Uh, Yes, I'd like to just be short and and just get to the point about a couple of things is that I want to bring up two things that Pastor Devers said. First of all, um, you know, associating support and then also being an advocate, okay, is almost literally, I would say impossible to a certain degree to the extent of what you do. Okay, so it takes a very special person to do both because it is so educational that it never stops it the, the platform is just unlimited and it's all about you know when she comes on the show like she is tonight and providing us with this information and you know we get educated also because i know all three of us here as hosts have, have been here and and me and penelope have gone back and had people you know you many times and we, we don't we, we can't tell you how much we are thankful you know for what you do in this life and uh and we'll always be thankful for you being on the show okay um uh, and and the other thing too, and y'all were talking about this as far as the mental health goes, is that you know i'm I'm always looking up things and i wanna i wanna read something you know to you all that is you know straight uh you know from like the National Health Association and different things to do with psychological you know situations and and I wanna stress something here is that There is a difference, okay, between CPTSD and PTSD, okay? And let me explain exactly what that is, and it's short, gets to the point, okay, is that PTSD usually occurs after a single traumatic event, okay, while CPTSD, which is complex, right, is associated with repeated trauma, okay? Uh, Events that can lead to PTSD include like a serious accident, or a sexual assault, you know or a traumatic childbirth experience, like the story I told you told you all earlier. you know it's just amazing that they they bring this stuff up, you know however, you know being knowledgeable of the difference between the two and if and if you look into it, repeated okay things when you are abused repeatedly you know, there's a strong chance that, you know, you, you're you going to experience this. And, and, and I tell you, you know, the thing about it is, is that it, it it gets serious into adult age, you know. So living through it uh, and, and being a part of it and understanding it, you know, is to me the key to supporting someone when it comes down to these situations. And you mentioned different personalities. There you go, you know. You hit that right on the head, Pastor Tassad. So I think that everyone, you know, that, that you know, takes from what you tell us on, on your shows will always be a better person in life. And I wanna thank you so much for being here and that's all I have to say.
3: Thank well, you, one John. Of the things, okay. One of the things if you're a survivor okay. And you're still sort of just getting into your healing. Or you're in the middle of it. And a lot of people like to go out and tell their stories. But telling your story can re- can trigger you. And it may not happen uh, when you're telling your story, but maybe at night. Or trigger somebody else. So people need to get healed. Okay? And then they need to set that person, that life, over there on the shelf. So when you talk about it, it's no longer you talking. I'm healed now. Let me tell you about a person that is that I used to be. And I went through this when I um, I used to be called Jan and had issues. God took me two years to trans uh, transform me into a new identity called Deborah, which was my first name. I have it on the website and make a video. It's called It's Time. It's how who you were born to be got all messed up. You don't know who you were supposed to be because it got all messed up. But you're not who you used to be when you were a child or a teenager. You're an adult. But you, you still think you're that person. I had to sit at home for two years. God said, you need healing from 30, 40 years of stuff. And during that time, you have to let go. I had to make a grave and bury Jan. In it, and and when Jan went in the grave, which like going on the cross, everything that happened to Jan got buried. Jan didn't grow up in that house. Those are not Jan's parents. That's not Jan's son. That is that that is all Jan's. It's not devil's. I had to learn to think completely differently of who I was. I had to go to my son and say, "I'm not your mama." This body, and somebody that was in it named Jan, gave you birth. I'm Deborah. I am not your mama. I can be your spiritual mother. I changed my checks. I looked at Jan's husband, who was still live with, and said, I didn't hear you. It's sort of, I created a new book, like Jane, okay, in the three cases of age. I was no longer Jan, And that's what happened to her. And we all have to get there. But Jane, uh, Jane in the movie Three Faces of Eve could talk about her life. But it wasn't. It sort of was hers, but she didn't live it. Jane White, uh, Eve White did and Eve Black did. And Eve Black, her, sure, she was a, something else. But Jane had never done any of that. And so you have to get to the point where the old you that had bad things happen, it's got all these issues, you bury it, you put it in a tomb, and you let it go. I had to learn how to talk differently. I had to learn to see people from Jan's past and not go up and say, Hey, you remember me? I used to live her. Because then I would have brought Jan back up myself. I had to look at people and I don't know, I'm sorry, but I'd look at my, Jan's husband and go, I didn't marry you. Jan did, but I, Deborah, this new creature in Christ that died, the old me died on the cross. The new me is not married to you. Now, I didn't tell him that, but I have to think that, and I get tested on it, because the enemy would love for me to bring Jan back alive With all the emotions, all the hurts, all the wounds And he'd run havoc and So there was a lot of inner work And I'm just telling about me I didn't live with that stuff God says you died on the cross with me You're a new creature in Christ None of that ever happened to you None of it You're born again, you're brand new You never were abused None of that happened It happened to the old you. And you have to eventually get so distant from it that you can talk about it, but you don't relive it. You're talking about that old you. Now, that's spirituality, um, sort of. And mental health, that they kind of work in the same thing, but they're trying to integrate it all, okay, into one personality, one person that's aware of everything. That there's no forgiveness. Okay. There's, yeah, I can. All right. And and it was work for me. So I've been through it. And I know what it takes to say goodbye to the old life, the old name. I changed names. Changed checks. Changed everything. I have to look at things differently from the past. Say, I didn't even grow up in that house. Jan did, but Deborah didn't. And I... Because God was trying to show me how it worked in the Word And how I needed to line up with it And not continue to live hurt, wounded You know, but it took me two years to do the transition Two years, hard work And um, I was dedicated to it and it happened And um, that kind of thing So, you know, I'm a toughie I I just... uh, you know, I understand the process and I know, you know, what it takes to get there and um, I know love is a part of it and, yeah, you can be an advocate but you better be well healed if you're going to because it isn't changing any of things out there what, you know, you ain't going to change a human trafficker's making money off it or an Islamic guy's going to marry a 10-year-old or how about the uh, those Those guys out in Texas that were with the, I don't know the Mormons and they're marrying have spiritual wives and they you know you ain't gonna touch them' you gotta have some power and some be able to understand what's going on and understand the lust of the flesh, how things are moved through generations uh why would this happen why would the men do this why the what i I work with people when they would look at their children they didn't see humans. They saw just things to be used and abused and thrown away. They were not human. Okay? And it wasn't pretty. So there's an evil spiritual component to it. There's therapy will help, you know, uh, understanding, reading, studying. So I'll be quiet again so you guys can talk. It's only got a few minutes left, so I hope that helps a little thanks Pastor Deborah we
1: have eight minutes left and I would like to ask John if he has any more comments or questions for us
4: um, No not really I, I just you know just want to stress though that you know Pastor Deborah has so much information available uh, you know on, on so many levels and especially on Facebook you know and I would encourage anyone and everyone. And I hope that Pastor Deborah can tell us a little bit more about that. You know how to get in touch with you, how to find all of this stuff. You know, so okay. uh, can you do that? Do that for yeah. us, please.
3: I don't have a Facebook. I don't do Facebook because well, some you, some uh, stri- the, I'm on the YouTube.
4: YouTube. YouTube, yeah, yeah that's what I mean. I'm I'm sorry, I the, said Facebook.
3: It's, it's called the Hidden Kingdoms, and like videos. There's a lot of different ones, and they go very slow. I got actually got series on mental health and the forever person, and how because I can talk from both levels, and I can talk how it's integrated and you know because I was one, and I understand the system out there, you know. uh,
4: So how do they they find you on YouTube? You
3: just type in the Hidden Kingdoms. Okay. Channel that's it or the Hidden Kingdoms Pastor. And I have a website, it's is here and all the videos are on it. There are also audio podcasts out to free audio places like through Apple and stuff and apps, because I, I do everything for free. Because what I, I, I've i learned is long after I'm gone, I'm 70, you know, I, I've got to about 120 to do then. I might go longer, I'm not sure yet. But once I'm gone, uh, the videos will stay with YouTube. They can go to Mars. They can go in the spaceship yes. to the colonies. And you have to – and, you know, you can teach and you can go slow and you can uh, – you'll still be, um, you know, giving uh, your counsel and um, – I've tried all sorts of formats. I've been in the sure. community.
4: Tried well, thank you so much. The, you know, Thank you, yeah, uh, for, for, for okay. letting us know. I know that we're probably getting close to out of time. We might even be over. Yeah, now, I think we've
3: got about you know. <laughs> six minutes
1: left.
4: Okay. We, we we could do so much on these shows, but thank you so much, Pastor, okay? Okay.
1: Thanks, John. Let me turn to Penelope. Do you have any last uh, comments or questions? We have five minutes left.
2: Thanks, Annie. Yeah, Pastor Debra, I just wanted to say, you know, thank you for everything that you shared about your own experience, Um And I can relate to a lot of what you said, because um, I spent, gosh, about five years in, in very intensive recovery. A lot of reminded me a lot of what you had explained in your, you know, two year process. And um, I went from Penny, which was my nick my childhood, my name that my Mm
0: -hmm. mother
2: nicknamed me. um, And after my recovery, I am uh, I wanted to be called Penelope and I will only respond to Penelope. Um, mm-hmm. So the same thing. I, I dropped the penny. Um, I felt like she, you know, I buried her, um, and I grew up into who I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, that also my explain Where I I cannot step foot into my childhood home, um, where my mother still lives. And well, I think well about listen it, what, you what
3: just. Okay, listen what you just said. I'm no mm-hmm. longer Penny. Uh, whatever. I'm Penelope, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Then you immediately went and said I. Can no longer step into my childhood home. You just became the old you. Right there, in that one sentence. Mm. You, Penelope, didn't live in that home. You don't that's not your childhood home. Okay? You see how fast you return back to the old you. In that one statement. Mhm. Mhm. Okay? You'd have to go, I didn't grow up in that home. I have no idea. I never lived there. Penny, uh, whatever your name was, did. Penny, Penny lived nine. there. Yeah. Penny lived there. See, and, but as soon as you said, I can never step, you're saying, I live <laughs> Spooky. And that's what you, I had to learn. I didn't have any help. I had to keep, help me God to do this because I had to watch my language. Even my thoughts to myself. So, see, you just returned Penelope. You hadn't, she just got up, Penny just got up out of the grave. And you took Mm -hmm. on that identity. And everything that happened and everything is now running around. So you have to go, get back in that grave, Penny. You ain't a part of this. Penelope never, you have to, that's self-talk, you know, to yourself. But that's how fast it happens. Thank but you for we bringing that time. out. Well, that's you helps. have to learn that's to change your language, okay? Mm-hmm. If you're Penelope, mm-hmm. you didn't grow up in that house, but it's not your mama. You didn't go through those experiences. You didn't have them. Penny's dead. Penny's dead. You buried her. Now, you can talk about the life of Penny, but it's not you. And that's not you... you. <laughs> It's hard, I I tell you, because it's because survivors keep wanting to talk about their story, their childhood, who they were, what happened. Keep making it, and as long as you do, you never get completely healed. You always got one ball and chain around you.
4: And and I want to kick in. I want to kick in with that because you know I can understand that so much faster, and that's what it took for me also, uh, is that, you know, I was Jay. Okay. Cause I'm the fourth. And until I let that, that boy go, you know, uh, I, I was, I was still living that life, you know, and it took a lot to get there, but you'll know mm-hmm. it whenever that is totally gone. And, uh, yeah, you uh-huh. know, there's going to be some triggers along the way. However, once you grow out of that, and it takes a lot to get there. And I think we can all understand it takes, that. It you, takes you're gonna
3: determination. Know it. it takes yep. determination to be healed, to let go, to become somebody new. That you don't know who Penelope is yet. You haven't found out who all oh, she is yet. That part's still trying to draw you back. Oh, I, I was tested time and time again. Why don't you go back to the home you grew up in? I go, go up in here Jan did, but there was no name going over there. I'd see people that I used to know, and Jan—I would not even talk to them. And they go, "Don't I know you?" No, I, my name is Deborah. Huh? But if I had said, "Yeah, you knew me when," I brought Jan back up. That's how hard I had to work through it. So, and you won't hear that in therapy. But all right, I'm done. <laughs> and thank you again we have only
1: 20 seconds left so let me just say thank you pastor Deborah Schleich for being with us tonight and thank you. I hope that you join us again tomorrow night at five o'clock pacific eight o'clock eastern this is scan radio number 2972